I want to just give a few disclaimers. Um, we've got to pack so much stuff into these sessions that I, I'm going to give very broad, sweeping strokes. I wish I could get really deep into the, the meat of Scripture, but I'm going to have to paraphrase a lot and just refer to things a lot. So I'm trusting that all of us are, are going to be in the Word ourselves and checking things that don't seem to make sense in the, in the Bible itself. So um, just know that um, I really want to go deeper into these things. And I want to share more stories. We won't have time to share a ton of stories because I there's just so much to talk about. So <laughs> this story is way bigger than um, just what we'll share tonight and next week. But um, there's still a lot of good stuff we can we can talk about. Um, I want to just share a little bit about my own my own journey in this whole thing of of experiencing the spirit and walking in the supernatural and all these things are, that are kind of at the foundation of ministry. Um, you know, I, I grew up in probably the most amazing Christian home you can think of. Um, seriously, an incredible environment, totally spirit-filled, people speaking in tongues and miracles and stuff, but it, it, never, really, it never really got inside for some reason. Um, and I, I never was really, um, I never really experienced anything in, in my own heart. Um, and so... After I, I really started seeking truth, you know, in my late teens and stuff, and um, gave my I gave my life to Jesus on an intellectual basis because I I believed the Bible was true historically and all that kind of stuff, and and then for about three years after that, I was on this quest to experience God's love for myself and and to experience the supernatural and to hear God's voice and to see healings and miracles happen. And for three years, I literally had zero experience that I could verify, that I, I, could, I could prove to myself was real, literally. And um, this was, it was a super, super painful time for me. Um, every day, I would be crying out to God to experience his love for real. I would be praying for people to see them healed, be asking God to speak to me, and nothing would ever happen. And looking back on it, things were happening you know, God was speaking to me and, and things were happening. Um, but to, to my own perception in that time, there was nothing going on. And it was, it led me into a lot of bitterness, a lot of rejection, a lot of frustration and questioning why it was going on. And during that time, I really had to, I really had to sink my identity and my faith into, into the, the meat of scripture, into the roots of what the Bible says about who God is and his, his character and his nature I had no experience to base my, my identity off of. I had nothing to say, oh, I know God's real because of that incredible thing I felt last Sunday. I only had the Bible to tell me what God was like. And um, as painful as that was for me, it was actually really healthy because my whole view of God, the only thing I had to shape it off of was what the Word says. Um, and, and looking back, that was one of one of the biggest gifts God's given me was was the to lay a foundation of just the scripture and who who that says he is and the promises that he gives us about what he's like and what he's going to do and what normal life is supposed to look like um, it's really easy to to go to let our theology and let our expectations for normal life be shaped by our experience or many times by our lack of experience and and we kind of take that as the norm and that's what's supposed to happen because that's what I've seen and, and then we, re, we interpret Scripture to fit that. And we go, well, this is what life is like. Therefore, this must be what the Bible says. This, is, this must be what this means. And we reinterpret things to fit 
fit that kind of narrative or that that expectation. And and I really I want all of us to to start with the standard of scripture. Start with was what does the Bible define as normal life? What is the what does the Bible describe as this is this is what it looks like to be a Christian, to be a follower of Christ. Um, and let's then re, let's interpret our lives based on that. Let's interpret our experience or our lack of experience based on that. You know, the Bible says you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That if those who believe in my name will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And if I do that, if I lay hands on the sick and they don't recover, do I... Inter- reinterpret scripture and say, oh, that's because, must be because God didn't want them healed, actually, because I'm obviously fine, and this is obviously normal. Um, or do I go, oh, Bible says, if you believe, you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And we let that convict us, and we let that change us and, and tear things in us and create a holy discontentment in us and, and spur us onward to more of God, not towards discouragement, but to, towards more of God. We always need to let, the, let Scripture be the standard and let our lives be continually changed and transformed until they're raised to that standard instead of bringing it down until we are no longer convicted. Um, but that, that was what I was trying to do for a long time. And it was very painful because I never had anything to verify that I was doing good. Um, eventually, I, you know, I, went, I was a missionary for several years and saw people saved and all these kinds of crazy things, but still never really felt God's love for myself. I uh, came to Taylor, and I was still seeking and, you know, preaching the gospel to people. I even started leading a healing ministry, even though I'd never seen a miracle before. It's because I was the only guy hungry to see miracles happen. And um, I remember we'd be praying for people, and, like, someone would go, I don't know, my thumb... My thumb might feel a little better, you know, or my headache went away a little bit, but sometimes it just does that. And I'd be like, yes, yes, (laughs) maybe it was a miracle. I don't know. And uh, that's like kind of all I had to live off of, you know. And um, I remember there there were two, the two big, biggest experiences that that shaped me. Um, One was when I had got the revelation of God's goodness. And this was when I went to, I went to a conference this was a healing conference, and I went there. I was like, oh, I'm going to get the power and find the secret words and stuff. And um, I went there, and I, at first I was so frustrated because all they talked about was, isn't God a good father? Man, isn't he just so loving? Wow, guys. He's, he's incredible, isn't he? And I was like, come on. Where's the good stuff? Like, give me the, give me the fun stuff, the meat. And that was all they talked about. They, they mentioned the word gift and power like twice the whole time. And uh, like halfway through it, I was like, I found myself going, come on, let's get to the good stuff already. And it all of a sudden, it just hit me like, oh, my goodness, this is the good stuff. God is good. Wow. God is actually really good. And that's, that's it. That's, that's the foundation of everything. That's the direction. That's the, that's the means to it. That's the, the goal is the goodness of God, the, the, the revelation of God's goodness, the declaration of God's goodness, the representation of his goodness, the, the, the demonstration through power of his goodness, and then leading to more revelation of his goodness. It's, it's the beginning and the end, the goodness of God, to, to know that, to see it, to, to declare it and see it, 
see it grow, see it spread. Um, and that, that started to take over me, um, just this, this understanding of, wow, God is actually really good. And, and something in me that had been kind of tense and straining and anxious the whole time broke. And I just went, oh, wow, okay, he's really good. Oh, man, I just, I just kind of lost myself to that revelation, you know? And I, I gave up this, yeah, come on, come on, come on, do something, do something, you know? And I, the first week I came back, and, and the first ministry night that we had, a woman came up, and she had scoliosis in her back for, I think, nine years. You know, she was a college student, so it was half of her life. And um, laid hands on her, prayed for her, did the same thing I always did. You know, just, all right, pain. You know, scoliosis, go in Jesus' name, be healed. And um, our hands are on her back, and all of a sudden her back just goes, Poop, and just straightens out instantly under our hands. And we were like, ah, and she was like, oh. And um, we were like, what's happening? And she was completely healed right there, instantly healed of scoliosis. Um, nothing, I didn't do anything different. I didn't have a new set of, of awesome, powerful words. Um, we just carried the revelation of God, of his goodness, and because of that, we were able to celebrate. We, we were able to, to receive, have fun, give thanks before we even saw anything, um, come with joy as we're ministering, um, as opposed to hoping that something happens until we're able to have joy and to, to praise God, you know. And, and so none of my words changed. It was just the revelation of God. And, and, and it was from that moment that all of a sudden everyone started getting healed. And, you know, not everyone, but majority of people, yeah. Um, and it, that's never, that, that was the beginning. That was, <laughs> that was, that was everything. And, um, I want to make sure that we never move beyond the, the awe and the worship and the amazing, being amazed at God's goodness. Um, we never, we never start there and move to something better and cooler. We start there and we live there and we go deeper and deeper and deeper and richer and richer and richer and glory to glory in this revelation of God's goodness. Um, and so if that's all we get out of this whole, this whole night, I'm very, very pleased with that because like I said, that's everything, <laughs> you know, the other experience that, that profoundly changed me and, um, kind of catapulted me into this life, uh, was, was on my pursuit of experiencing the love of God. So the other one was, was kind of seeing the supernatural happen around me, um, and around the same time. And I wish I could remember which one was first because I feel like it's pretty significant, but I can't. Um, it, it was around this pursuit of me experiencing the love of God for myself and going through worship times and being like, oh, Jesus, I so would love to feel you and would just feel nothing. And everyone afterwards would be like, oh, my gosh, this is presence was so sweet. Oh, my, it's so powerful and uh, swirly, you know? <laughs> And I was like, oh, that sounds so cool. I would love that. You know, like I wasn't like, eh, I doubt all that. But, but you know, I never experienced it. Um, I remember I was at this, uh, this worship time and I was, you know, just worshiping Jesus and had my hands out, I think. And um, I, I realized, I was like, what, I feel something. What is that? What am I feeling right now? It feels crazy. And really, really good. And it was like, there's something inside my chest and it's heavy, but it's nice. And I, wow. What is that? And then, um, James Heth was actually when leading that time when he was like, all right, can you guys feel that the presence of God is in the room right now? Nah. <laughs> and, he does it. Um, and I was like, Oh my goodness. 
yes, I can. I can feel God's presence. Oh, my gosh. And I was, like, taking all these note, mental notes and stuff because, like, I'm a scientist. So I'm like, okay, is this my feeling this, my feeling this? And, and um, I, was, I sat there for literally, like, an hour. Didn't move because I was so paranoid about losing it if I, like, moved positions or something. And so I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. I think I can move now. I'm like, I'm practiced up and stuff. So I opened my eyes and boop, and it disappeared. I was like, dang it, no, I had it, you know. But but I was I was I was done. I was done. So from that point on, the next time the worship came, I was like, oh, I'm so ready. Like you're not getting away this time, Holy Spirit. And sure enough, I felt that in my chest again. I was like, yes, oh my goodness. And so I sat there for another hour and like didn't move a muscle. And finally, I was like, I was able to open my eyes and still be aware of his presence. And I was like, oh, my goodness, okay. Oh, should I start, should I try to get up or something? And so I stood up and go, it leaves again, you know? <laughs> I was like, ah, shoot. Um, but that's what, that's what started this, this journey of growing in, in my connection, in my awareness of Jesus and his presence. And, and he was always, he was in me the moment I got saved. And I was fully indwelt by the presence of God. But the measure of his, uh, of his presence that I access, the measure of, of love that I opened myself up to, to abide in, um, was something that, that I began to grow in from that moment on. Um, my, my awareness of, of him in the room, of, of what he's doing among us. And, and um, you know, I don't know all the, the technical dynamics of what's going on there, and I'm, I'm sure theologians have it all figured out. Um, but but the measure that we that I accessed that I was aware of and I was able to grow in has continued to grow from that point on. So I would like challenge myself and okay, I was like ten percent aware of his presence today and like okay, how much can I grow in that and fun little games and stuff with him. Um, but it, it started me on the the process and I think it's one that we're all on of of this growing in in real connection with Jesus. So much more than growing in an understanding of theology, or or in or in a growth in our our morals and stuff like that, and and I really don't want to downplay those things. Those are a huge integral part of the Christian life, um, and and at the very core of it, at the center, they're just not what we're talking about tonight, <laughs> and they're not the thing that we are often missing in our life. Um, often we've we've got the morals down. We know. You know, you're not supposed to get drunk. You're not supposed to kill people. Like, okay, you know, we're, we're sound in that. And we've got great theology to go off of. Well, oftentimes we're missing the deep experiential connection with the Holy Spirit. And, and this, I would argue, is, is the core of all the rest of those things, actually bearing fruit and actually um, being filled with the breath of life and the breath of God is this this deep connection and it's it's the same as as knowing knowing about someone versus actually knowing them and reading my wife's biography or diary is awesome and it sheds so much light on who she is the times that I've peeked at it <laughs> but that's not a substitute to knowing her to being with her spending time asking her what what she likes and um watching movies with her and stuff like that you know, unless she doesn't like movies. <laughs> that sounds nice. Um, but it, it's that that is the core that we are that we are yearning for and and pushing into deeper and sowing into, and it's that that gives us life and grace 
and power to go out and live moral lives and, and, and give generously and have words to tell people about the gospel. And it's that, that that fills us with the power to go out and see the sick healed and that gives us access to his voice, to, to declaring prophetic words over people and, and having faith to believe in God, to multiply food and to provide financially, to give radically. You know, it, it's at the center of everything, this, this deep connection with God. And the Bible describes it as abiding in him. If you abide in me, abide in me, rest in me, remain in me, so much is what, the way that the Bible describes it. Um, so that, that was, was and is at the foundation of my own walk with God and um, the things that I believe we're all called to, to major on and to focus on. And that, the manifestation of that can look so different to all of us and can feel so different. And the, the ministry outworking of that can look so different across the board. But that, I believe, is supposed to be at our, at our very core. Um, I believe God's plan for all of us is to be fully alive, to, to start to be on this process of, um, of walking, that, that sort of abiding thing. We, we behold God. From, from beholding him, we are with him. We get, we get invited into connection, to encountering him. When we encounter him, we're, when we're filled with him, with his nature, because being close to him, you naturally are filled with someone's presence, you know, or experience their presence. From those encounters, we're transformed. We're made to look more like him. You know, you know from experience that married couples that have been together for 30, 40 years, they, they start to look alike and act alike, and they are like, they're so connected and they've spent so much time together. They, they actually start to take on the, the traits of each other. And uh, this is similar to us and God, only it's, it's accelerated. We start to look like God and, and sound like him and talk like him and experience his emotions. The more, that, the more time that we spend with him, our lives begin to look more like Jesus. Um, and when they, when they look more like Jesus, we start to do the things that Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? He walked in ridiculous power and supernatural ministry healed everywhere he went that was the main thing he was known for was being a healing minister he spoke the words of truth he he gave himself to people Um, he saw radical miracles happen and he he transformed the world around him and all these things are the are the natural result of that deep connection with god of being filled with by him and being transformed by him and when we do that, we simply get to go around, and we don't go around and we ask God to do things. We go around and we release what we carry. We simply know who we are. We know who's in us. And that reality starts to superimpose itself on the reality around us. The kingdom of light, the kingdom of God, gets superimposed over the kingdom of darkness everywhere we go, simply because we're walking in the knowledge of God. We're abiding in His Spirit, and we become fire hoses of his presence everywhere we go. Bible calls it a torrent of living water, springs of living water flowing out of us. Everywhere we walk, it's just spraying all over the ground and all over people and dark situations and demonic bondage. And, and every time the kingdom of light and the kingdom of God is released, it breaks the kingdom of darkness. And Jesus says he came to bring life and life abundantly. 
He says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So that's death and sickness and bondage. So that means everywhere we go, everywhere the kingdom is released, bondage, death, sickness gets transformed and, and starts to have life and growth and provision and healing and, and um, life in the spirit, life vitality and, and emotions and reconciliation and families and all those kinds of things. I've got a, I've got a bunch of notes here because um, there's a lot I want to get through, but I always want to make sure I'm still following God as I'm speaking. So if I stop all of a sudden, it's because I'm feeling like God is is leading somewhere else. So just bear with me. Hmm. This whole life of of power and victory and intimacy it's all it's all founded on God's goodness. It's it's founded on God's desire for us um, to be connected with us. It's founded on the victory of the cross, the fact that Jesus overcame sin and sickness and bondage, and by his stripes we are healed. And it's founded on our place as sons and daughters of God and our responsibility as sons and daughters of God. And as his children, we, we get to inherit the family business. And, and the family business is, is the business of restoration, of healing, of redemption, of freeing people from bondage. That's, that's just, that's just who, who God is and what Jesus did. This, this life of victory and power and intimacy, it's, um, it's beautiful and it's fun and it, it feels really good. But everything starts with submission. None of this comes because we just asked for it or because we thought it would be cool, and so we tried it out and gave it a shot. All of this comes because we recognize that Jesus is God, that the Bible is, is the absolute authority, and we, we surrender ourselves as, as creation, as as servants to the master, to, to God. And there's, there's no other path into this incredible life, but, but complete and total and, and utter surrender. And this doesn't necessarily have to be a one-time thing and you either did it or you didn't. It's a lifestyle of surrender. It's, it's giving everything that you know to give when, when you realize that you have to give it. And it's, it's uncovering layer after layer of our own hearts that we have yet to surrender. And when we recognize it, we lay ourselves down all over again. And we give everything we know to give. It's, it's death to our, our self. Um, death to self means our lives are no longer our own. It means we're, we no longer even consider ourselves alive. We consider ourselves completely dead. And we don't live, but Christ lives in us. Um, and so from that, all, all we have to do is, is follow what Jesus did, is follow what he said, because our lives aren't our own. It's not about what feels good or what doesn't feel good, what's peaceful and fulfilling or what isn't. It's because this is, this is what God has called every Christian to. A supernatural ministry is part of every Christian's call. 
Um, and so absolute surrender to God looks like surrendering to this call of supernatural ministry. And isn't it just like God that in his goodness, that thing he's called us to is so full of joy and life and fun and peace? Like it, it doesn't have to be that way. It could be just full of suffering and and anxiety and all that kind of stuff. But it's just like him to, to call us to submit and surrender to something so beautiful and fun and fulfilling. And he promises us suffering and he promises us um, pain. Um, but that's external. None of that, none of that gets in. And that's part of, that's part of the victory of the cross. That's part of light overcoming darkness as he brings us into suffering and persecution and hard times. And we get to demonstrate that Jesus is alive all over again and see the kingdom of light overcome those things because none of that touches connection with Jesus. None of that finds its way inside of ourselves. And there's unfortunately a lot of us that excuse powerlessness or a lack of connection because we, think, we don't think we're called to that. Um, we think it's for another day or, you know, only happened way back when. Um, but the good news is it's for all of us. And, um, and there's, there's a call in each of our lives to yield to that. Um, so we lose ourselves. We lose ourselves to the kingdom and not just um, giving ourselves to ministry, but we, lose, we even lose a focus on ourselves and on our own good, on our own peace and satisfaction. We're no longer caught up in, do I feel good or don't I? Am, I? am I feeling satisfied? Am I living out my calling or am I not? We're simply lost to, to the kingdom, to seeing Jesus glorified, to seeing him honored, to us being a part of, of his, his giant movement that he's sweeping across the globe of the gospel. Um, and it's in that, you know, Jesus promises when we lay our, when, when we die to ourselves, we find life. We find life when we, when we die. We find purpose when we give up trying to create our own. It's really beautiful. <laughs> so this life of ministry, um, it's... It's all about knowing God. It's all about knowing who God is and knowing who we are. And at the core of it being, being our identity, our identity as, as children of God, sons and daughters of God, people that look like Jesus and do the things that Jesus did, say the things that Jesus said, live out of the same power and confidence and crazy supernatural connection to the Father that he lived out of. And from that, we're able, to, we're able to do everything. Nothing's impossible. Nothing is off limits. This, the life of ministry is, it's really easy, actually. We often look at it as something that's really difficult that we have to kind of strain in. And, and um, we kind of arrive after a certain amount of years of struggling. Um, but it's actually really easy. It's so easy that Jesus immediately commissioned these really awful people that he called <laughs> at first, these fishermen and tax collectors who were kind of the bottom of society. And in some cases, for good reason. You know, they were cheaters and liars, and they stole from people. Um, but it's so easy that they, they could do it. 
and that Jesus actually called them into it. Um, and it's, it's simply because it's not about us. It's not about what we bring to the table. Um, we actually lose ourselves in this process. We lose a focus on ourselves. We lose the right to even, even say that God's power is withheld because of me. We lose all right to that. And it's simply about God being good. And we get to freely give what we have freely received. And we receive power, we receive life, and so we go around and we get to release it. We get to give it away. And it never gets to be more complicated than that. The life of ministry is, is really fun. It is so much fun. It, it, honestly, it's the moments in my life where I have experienced the deepest joy, the most thorough, like, actual joy that I haven't had to manufacture and stuff have come when I have been ministering to people and have been living, living in the Spirit and in the middle of the flow of releasing God's power to someone and seeing them get healed or seeing them experience God's love for the first time or hear God's voice for the first time or know that God loves them for the first time. Those, those are the moments that I look back on that have shaped me the most and that, that I've experienced the most joy ever. It's just the most mind-blowing thing to be with someone when, they, when their cancer leaves or the cystic fibrosis they've, been, they've known their entire life, it's been their closest friend their whole life, is immediately, instantly gone, and they literally fall on the ground weeping because, because they, they are so overwhelmed by the love and the power of God. Those are moments that I, I can't even describe how they have marked me and, and filled me with joy to be there and, and just to witness that, much less be one of the vessels that God's power is moving through in that moment. Even though it's, it's easy and it's fun, it's really hard. And it, that may seem like a contradiction, but it's not. It's hard in, in, it's not hard because it's not about us. But it is hard because it requires real sacrifice. You, you spend yourself on behalf of other people. You, you give yourself emotionally. You hurt for other people. You, you, you experience pain because you're with people that are experiencing pain. Um, you, you have to walk through some real confusion. What happens when people aren't healed? What happens when you see things that don't make sense, that don't line up with the experience that the Bible promises? And that's, that's real pain. If you're actually trying to live by the standard of Scripture, that's confusing, and that, that hurts, and that doesn't make any sense. And there's, there's real things you have to walk through. There's real offenses and stumbling blocks you have to walk through that so many people start out walking well in, and then they get to the stumbling block, and they give up because it was too hard or because it cost them too much or it was too painful. It didn't, they didn't know how to, to keep going and, and consider the, the glory of Jesus and, and connecting people to Jesus as worth greater than their own um, peace or their own sense of having it together. It, it really costs you. There is real agony in it, and it's got to be something that's worth it to us, that people are worth it to us. That glorifying God and seeing Jesus get what he paid for is worth it to us. And, and this is not a theoretical pain. It, it's really going to hurt at times. 
it's really going to cost you sometimes to press through and to still maintain expectation and faith in God and in his goodness, despite the past five people you've prayed for not getting healed. And, and, and there's been many people that I've prayed for that a week that, that we prayed for them. And, and man, it just, I sent so much of God's spirit moving in a real way. And, and there was, it was beautiful and there was power being, being poured out. And, and the next week they're dead. Honestly, they, they died of that very thing that we prayed for them for, that we felt so much release over. That's, that's awful. That's heartbreaking. That, that confuses me. That hurts me. It makes me angry. It, it doesn't make any sense. But we have to be able to respond to that and go, oh, that is awful. I don't know why. Jesus, fill me with more of you. Take me deeper. I need to go deeper. I need to know you more because these people are worth it. The next person is going to get healed. I know it. And that person is worth me pressing through this offense and this pain and, and going for it again and believing in you again. It's, gonna, it's hard because it, it's going to take failure. And we, we really hate failure here in the West because we are very performance-driven. So failure oftentimes defines us. And if we failed at doing something, well, that equals us being a failure, and that equals us being less valuable. Um, but we've got to be able to walk through that. We've got to be able to, to realize where our real identity comes from, and that, that connection and that anchor being stronger than, than stepping out and trying and failing. I've prayed for thousands of people who have not been healed. I, and I don't know why they weren't healed. I don't know why. I've asked God so many times for prophetic words for people, and I've gotten it totally wrong, completely wrong. Not just like, oh, well, I don't know, maybe we'll see. But like, no, that's not my name. <laughs> you know, or no, I, I don't play that sport. You know, or more, you know, more drastic things than that. that you know, I, I can't remember right now, but completely wrong. I mean, that's, that's embarrassing, and it looks really silly walking up to people on the street and going, hey, you know, I'm a, I represent the king, and I believe he has told me this grand thing about you, and they go, oh, it doesn't make any sense. I think you're wrong. And having to go, oh, I'm really sorry about that. You know, I get things wrong sometimes. That, that sucks. That's really painful to people that I, whose identity is wrapped up in their success and in how they appear to people. Um, so this, this life of ministry is going to challenge that, that source really deeply. It's going to challenge where we find our joy really deeply. But at the end of the day, it's, it is all worth it, and it's got to be worth it to, to see people transformed, to see, mostly to see people connected to Jesus, to see the, the, little, the little message of the kingdom wrapped up in a bundle of power delivered to people and their hearts receive it and be opened up to knowing Jesus personally, to acknowledging him as king. You know, our, our own pain and confusion and suffering in the middle of walking through these processes has got to be worth it. And it's got to be a cost that we count because if we don't count it in the middle of it you know, beforehand, we're going to experience it halfway through. 
and it it's a real cost that really does hurt. And I don't want to sugarcoat it and just say it's going to be beautiful and everything that you pray for is going to happen from now on um, because it's going to test the strength that you have and it's going to test your willingness to obey God. And that, to me, that's one of the beautiful things about this, about the life of ministry is something that forces you to grow and it forces you to confront parts of yourself that you wouldn't have felt like confronting otherwise. It's going to confront unbelief and, and lack of compassion and self-centeredness and a desire to see yourself glorified above, above seeing God glorified. It's all worth it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and we're going to end this session, even though it's on a, a somber note. <laughs> Jesus often did that. Lord, I ask that you would, um, you would convict us where we've held back from you. Convict us where we have um, said no to things that have cost us too much. Whether it be a, a cost physically and financially or a cost of our emotions or our dignity or our comfort, God, convict us where we've held back and said no we really long to be people that live in absolute surrender, that live with, with nothing, holding on to nothing for ourselves. We long to be people that, that see your kingdom come in power, that see the raw power of the gospel and of God poured out around us, to see reality and situations and people and bodies transformed because you're real, not because we had some cool answers and ideas. So God, change what needs changing. Transform what needs transforming. And um, bring us in. Let us be dead to ourselves and fully alive in you. God, establish, strengthen, and, and deepen this connection to your spirit that you've called us to, that, that relationship surrounds. That every moment we live deeply connected to you, abiding in your love, abiding in the reality of, of the scriptures, where we let you fully inhabit every part of us and have authority over every part of us and are filled with the righteousness, peace, and joy that, that is part of the kingdom, that makes up the kingdom. And Lord, we just want to thank you for calling us to this life and that the life of surrender is a life of joy and happiness and peace. Thank you that you've, you've arranged it that way and that, yeah, that peace never gets taken because of circumstances or environments. How we just thank you for that consistency you've given us. Hmm. Strengthen the call in our lives, Lord. Strengthen the conviction on us um, to follow where you're leading in our lives. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. Amen.